another week of getting through the week, and I got I got a couple of questions for you. Have you ever struggled with standing up for yourself, asking for what you want or asking for what you need? Do you ever find yourself biting your tongue because you'd rather just not rock the boat and cause any trouble or think that whatever you may say or want or need would be of some trouble of some time. Let's talk about that today. But before we do, let me introduce myself. Hi there. My name is Dr. Kelly Ray, and I'm a mindset coach counselor, notably known as the inner critic tamer. And I am passionate about helping others just like you and me who have survived things perhaps we don't necessarily like to talk about, but we know we want to, to get better so that we are better for our kids and their kids to come. I'm obsessed with teaching others how to tame their inner critic, that inner childhood conditioning, or as I'd like to say, undo that crap that happened to you and maybe continues to keep you somewhat stuck or hold you back or keep you from living the vibrant life that you were designed to live. And during this episode, we're going to be talking about how to stand up for yourself and maybe even understand why you find it so difficult to do so. For some of us, myself included at times, standing up for ourselves doesn't necessarily come naturally. In fact, it might even feel impossible to do. Maybe you've been conditioned to not rock the boat. So you swallow opposing thoughts or feelings to avoid any type of conflict or confrontation. And it's so interesting that the slightest of anything that could be perceived as uncomfortable in conversation suddenly becomes like it would be a conflict or a confrontation rather than it's merely maybe one or two or more people sharing opinions, sharing thoughts, sharing feelings. But for some, it's really uncomfortable. Going along with what others want just to make it all feel better or easier to do. You know, some of, uh, I know there was a period of time in my life that even if I was miserable inside for being mad, for not speaking up for what I needed or didn't need or didn't want, that it just seemed like it was better to go along with the program because, you know, it was easier. That way there wasn't a perceived trouble down the road. But, you know, the thing is, I've learned that when we allow people to walk over us, it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth, period. We're going to be left with that inner brewing and maybe even some resentment. Sometimes we take that resentment or judgment about others when in fact it's really that resentment or judgment we have towards ourselves for going against what we want or what we need that you know shutting ourselves up may be actually causing us more discord within our own body not necessarily in our relationships although it definitely can have an impact on work relationships friendships families all of that we might wonder why people are so inconsiderate or what they don't know what we want. How could you not know what I want? How many have ever said that before? Well, he should just know what I want or she should just know. You should know me well enough to know those kinds of statements. And you know, I'm not gonna, 
I'm not going to pretend like I haven't said some of those things because I certainly have because I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the proper way to effectively communicate. It was a really great way of being passive aggressive of, well, you should just know. And no, I'm not going to tell you. You should just know why you made me upset. I mean, I'm sure that many of you listening have maybe ever said that or have thought it or have had it said to you. And no matter what, whether you're the one feeling it or the one saying it, it feels like crap. Let's just be honest there. Standing up for ourselves is about having boundaries. I mean, boundaries has definitely become a buzzword over the last number of years, right? I mean, everybody's like, I got to have my boundaries. I got to have my walls. And then, then you'll see a lot of memes and pictures on Facebook and quotes about how you need to be vulnerable and take those walls down. And it can be all very confusing. But let's just get clear on why it's important to have boundaries. Maybe another word for boundaries might be standards. Have a standard for yourself and knowing how to assert them. When we don't do this, we become passive. We allow life to just happen, often running us over along the way. If you find it difficult standing up for yourself, you're probably disconnected from your own needs and overly attuned to other people's needs. When this happens, you leave yourself wide open for being taken advantage of. So you might relate to some of the following I'm going to share. You fear you'll be faced with rejection or anger if you don't give in or go along with other people's wants and or needs. The idea of standing up for yourself fills you with dread. You know that deep down you want to say something, but the words just don't come. Or maybe they do come, but rather down the line at the wrong moment and in a burst of anger or frustration. You generally prefer to play second fiddle instead of taking the limelight. You likely overcommit yourself at work, working long hours, taking on too much, doing extra projects, etc. You may even feel lost or directionless. You avoid confrontation at all costs. You might feel guilty when you do manage to stand up for yourself. You're a people pleaser. In fact, you'd rather please others before yourself. So why do we struggle to stand up for ourselves? The first step is learning how to stand up for yourself is to understand why you feel this way. Regardless of whether you're more naturally introverted or extroverted, expressing and asserting yourself should be relatively instinctive. When it's not, and when it feels overly challenging, it's usually rooted in our past. Somewhere along the line, you might have learned that it was bad to have needs or that your needs weren't as important as other people's. 
this belief might be so deep-rooted that you're not even aware of it and at certainly not maybe a conscious level but deep down it holds you prisoner to the needs and the wishes of everyone but yourself perhaps your parents weren't very tuned into your needs growing up you might have looked after a parent who was unwell maybe mentally physically or emotionally and who over relied on you expected you to be responsible for everything and everyone maybe you were overly empathic towards them you worried about hurting their feelings or making them feel bad if you were to express how you felt or what you really wanted if you relate to this you might find yourself grappling with a lot of guilt perhaps even today alternatively you may have grown up with very strict parents where standing up for yourself was definitely out of the question. A parent, or both, ruled the roost. When you expressed what you wanted or how you felt, you were shot down, punished, ignored, or maybe even abandoned. Over time, you learned to make yourself small or suppress your needs altogether. Maybe you were told children are to be seen, not heard, and this anchored in deeply. So much so that when you do try to speak up for yourself, you feel it falls on deaf ears, leaving you feel as if you're invisible. If this is, feels familiar, you might find yourself in similar relationships today. For example, you could find yourself working for a micromanaging boss, or have a controlling partner, or seeming to only attract emotionally draining friends or acquaintances. In spite of not liking how this makes you feel, you tend to seek out similar dynamics to the ones you experienced in childhood because they feel familiar to us. And again, I'm gonna share that this is more done so on an unconscious level than it is a conscious level. This is why you might perhaps see somebody who seems to attract the same kind of partner or date the same kind of girl or woman. Everybody on the outside can see that they're basically the same person, but just in a different skin suit. But for the one that's involved in the relationship, it seems clueless that any of these people are alike. An example of that is if you ever watched the show Friends, Rachel was dating Ross, Monica's brother, and then they broke up and then, you know, she was out dating other people while she started dating another guy. And he looked exactly like Ross. He had the same mannerisms, same tone of voice, same everything. And yet everybody in the group could see the similarities and were wondering how could Rachel not see that she just basically attracted herself to a Ross clone. That, that, that's a really good example of how it is that we attract those around us without consciously being aware because they're familiar to us. 
It should also be noted that maybe you're, you've not personally experienced these things when you were younger. Maybe you just had the absolute dream childhood. I mean, let's be honest. We've all had some kind of experiences in our childhood that we may have decided to label as unpleasant, not good, bad, whatever. It doesn't have to be huge monumental. It's those things that our brain labels good, bad, yes, no, you know, maybe it's it's got to go in one category or the other. So maybe, maybe you didn't necessarily have something like that happen when you were younger, but still struggle with standing up for yourself, seeking out that which is familiar, even if we don't like it, can also stem from things we saw, heard, felt, or concluded when we were very young. Again, Meaning, no two people have the exact same experience, nor do they necessarily label situations the same. This is how two kids could be raised under the same roof by the same parents, but have two different thoughts, beliefs, and memories of the past. Now that we've identified a few things, how do we break this pattern and how to learn to stand up for ourselves? Like anything, type of behavior, pattern, habit, we want to shift, change, or break. It's imperative that we pinpoint why you find standing up for yourself in this situation to be so difficult. Did you relate to any of the above that I shared? If you can clearly identify what experiences in your childhood might have led you to undermine your own needs, this will serve a great purpose in being able to shift things. The key here is to understand when looking back on our childhood or younger years experiences, we're not looking necessarily from a place of who to blame or who to point the finger on the wrongdoing. Yes, absolutely, there may have been wrongdoing. And at this point in your life, you're wanting to heal from that. And healing requires us to shift our behaviors, patterns, habits, and most of all, beliefs in order to move away from the current beliefs that are holding us back and keeping us stuck in a perpetual loop of victim and moving us towards victor. When we understand why we behave in certain ways, we open the door to changing that behavior. Habits happen merely by practicing behavior over and over and over again. So these things are able to be shifted and changed, but it takes a conscious effort to do that, a conscious awareness that we have a belief somewhere that shows us why we don't, and making that shift. Make a note of all the ways you might be giving too much, whether it's in your relationships, at work, home, etc., If you're not sure, try identifying any areas in your life that make you feel maybe angry or resentful or critical. Once you know where the imbalances are, you can gradually start to level them out one by one. This can be particularly challenging to those who are single parents or adults who, as kids, 
learned that they were taught that it is better to do unto others than it is to do unto yourself. Again, these are beliefs that get anchored in so deeply that again, in a conscious manner, we're not thinking about it. Maybe a conscious belief would be, oh, I know I need to look both ways before I cross the street in order to make sure that I'm not going to get run over by a car or something. But a, a, a deeper rooted belief might be, why do I always say yes to people when I really don't want to? Why do I always not stand up for myself when when I feel like I'm being misunderstood or I'm not being heard. Those, those are beliefs too that, you know, sometimes you can hear people say, well, that's just the way I've always been. And I then want to question, but have you ever looked at that? And why have you not wanted to possibly consider changing that? Because if this is the way you've always been and the results that you've always gotten from always being this way haven't always been in your favor or for your wellness or for your happiness and joy, then why the hell would you not want to undo that thought of, well, that's the way I've always been? Damn it, you deserve so much better than that. I want you to get clear on your needs. If you're not sure what they are, try brainstorming on a piece of paper. I want you to write down statements like, I would really love it if, and fill in the blank. I want, fill in the blank. It's important to me that I feel, fill in the blank. Considering and prioritizing other people's needs has probably become second nature to you that you may not even know what it is that you need or want or enjoy. This is a great time for you to, to look at that. If this is you, then I suggest you write out the kinds of foods you like and take yourself out to get it or even bring it home and make it just to see rather than I don't care whatever you want I want you to care what you want and food is just a really simple thing take these little steps so that then that over time you build confidence and trust in yourself that you can trust that you know what you want that you can trust that it's okay that you have those things you're not asking too much you're raising your standards Consistent change happens when we take small steps, not necessarily huge leaps. It's this one foot in front of the other. Shift the focus onto you and what you want. You might find that you need to do this over and over again. The brain is a muscle. It's going to take time to retrain it into focusing on what you need, what you want. Again, you've mastered it for doing it for other people. If you're in this category of people who over please, then you're probably really great at giving. 
And dare I say, you're probably a really horrible receiver. And I know that sounds really harsh, but just even think for a second, when somebody compliments you, how well do you receive that compliment? Do you make excuses? Do you put your head down? Do you kind of shuffle your feet and kind of lose eye contact with the person that's just complimented you and kind of fumble through, uh, well, you know, I paid this much for this dress or, oh, yeah, you know, it looked better on somebody, whatever it may be. Those of you that can relate to this, I know you know what I'm saying because you've experienced this. Start small and build your confidence up slowly. Assertiveness is a skill, which means you need to practice it. It's likely to feel scary at first, so start with the smaller things that don't feel so intimidating. One of the things is, just on the example I gave of receiving a compliment, a small step backwards would be just looking the person in the eye and saying thank you. Nothing more, no more explanation, no more justifying why you did or what you're wearing or none of those things. Just, ah, thank you. Also, if the word assertiveness feels harsh, then consider some other words that merely mean you confidently know what you want and don't want. For those who've been conditioned to be humble, demure, quiet, etc., I want you to ask yourself, am I willing to speak up when I need to go to the restroom? I know right now you're like, what? What does that have to do with anything? But I want you to think about this for a second. Even you, the shyest, quietest, most humble, quiet person, would you ask that? Even even the most timid of people in the room will inquire as to where the restroom is if they need to go. So just as you've learned to question and ask where the restroom is, I want you to practice the same kind of questioning with other areas of your life. Again, our muscles will atrophy if we don't use them. Or better yet, they will not develop beyond where they are until you make them fire up. And that happens through usage. Use I statements when asserting yourself. This is rule number one in healthy communications. Some examples of this are, I don't appreciate it when you take that tone with me. I sense that you're unhappy with something at the moment. Please, can you let me know what's wrong? I'm not prepared to talk about this today. I'm overworked at the moment and I need you to delegate some of my responsibilities to other members of the team. This is a much more empowering way of handling it than you give me too much work or you talk to me that all the time and I don't like that. The minute we start using you statements, we're immediately putting the other person on defense and now the conversation goes very sour, very south quickly and communication is over. It's hard to argue with somebody when they're saying how they feel. I, you know, I feel uncomfortable that you speak to me that way. 
that's a much different thing because they can't take away your feelings from you. Expect to feel guilty and push on through anyway. When we do change behaviors, especially if you're in the process of learning how to stand up for yourself, it's possible that you're going to have some moments of feeling guilt and it's imperative that you push through that. Watch out for any guilt and simply acknowledge it when it comes around. Remind yourself that it's just an old feeling and not relevant or helpful right now. Feelings like guilt, shame, anger, etc. are normal feelings and we may experience them throughout our lives but these feelings can also be driving forces for your inner critic to keep you stuck, hold you back, and for things to remain status quo no matter how uncomfortable or unwarranted they are. I'll give you an example of my conversation that I have occasionally with my inner critic who is endearingly known as Trudy. When Trudy starts up with her, you're not good enough, or no one cares, or don't cause trouble nonsense, I love to give her options, and it sounds something like this. Look, Trudy. You can either sit in the passenger seat next to me or you can get in the trunk. But either way, I'm driving this vehicle today, not you. Our fear will talk us out of more things, even those good things that could benefit our lives. And it's up to us, it's up to you and me to take charge and manage it in a way that allows us to thrive. Consider whether you might be stuck in an unhealthy relationship. If you are, you need to find a healthier balance. Ideally, these relationships will naturally shift into a healthier place as you build your assertiveness and confidence. If they don't, you might want to reach out to someone like myself to help you walk through that. Or maybe it's a matter of walking away. The people who love and care for you will want to see you grow. If they don't, it's time for you to fill your world with people who do. Your desires and needs are just as important as everyone else's. They might not have been recognized as such when you were younger but you have the power to make sure that they are now. And as you begin to fight your own, for your own corner, for your own voice, you'll find that things begin to shift in your favor. Please do not misconstrue what I'm saying here. I'm not advocating for a full flip the script from a timid person to a bully. Absolutely not. But I can tell you that a timid person can be flipped to a bully if they aren't mindfully aware of what has brought them to that point. Most bullies are the way they are because they haven't learned to advocate for themselves or feel safe enough to speak up without repercussions. And this can roll over into adulthood. 
The difference is as children, we tend to be at the mercy of others. And as adults, it's our duty to ourselves to heal that which was done to us unjustly in order to not perpetrate that on to others. Even if you weren't bullied or controlled as a kid, but were as a result of being in an abusive relationship as an adult, it is your responsibility to heal from those wrongdoings. I truly believe you owe it to yourself to realize you are whole and complete just the way you are, not the way others have mistreated you. You deserve so much more than what has been done to you, and that starts with you. Be willing to assertively reach for help. There are many of us, like myself, who are willing to help you along your healing process, but it requires you taking that first step and reaching out. As I wrap up this week's episode, I'd love to share with you a quote by Maya Angelou that I feel is so fitting for this topic. I not only have the right to stand up for myself, but I have the responsibility. I can't ask somebody else to stand up for me if I won't stand up for myself. And once you stand up for yourself, You'd be surprised that the people say, can I help you? If you have found this episode helpful or know someone who could use a little extra support along the way, I'm going to encourage you to share this episode. Also, please know that I post a new episode every Monday morning on various topics all geared around mindset and tools and strategies and that on how to help you get through. If you'd like to get in touch with me, I'd like to share some ways that you can do that. I'm on Instagram at Ask Dr. Kelly Ray. Kelly Ray is spelled K-E-L-L-Y-R-A-E. I'm on Facebook at Dr. Kelly Ray B, B as in brown. My website is drkellyray.com. And my email is drkellyray at gmail.com. Until next week, please know I send you so much.